Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. This week's guest is Katrina Gleason, CEO of Women for Election. She's a woman on a mission to get more women elected to political office at every level in the country. It's not always easy though, as there are many systemic barriers and social difficulties that make women reluctant even to put themselves forward as candidates. We hear consistently from women, and particularly women who've been elected, that they had to be asked multiple times to run um, for an election, um, whereas a guy, a man, would put themselves forward without even being asked. Paying lip service a few weeks out from the election won't cut it for the political parties. She believes that parties need to realise that now is the time to put serious thought and planning into nominating women and developing their campaigns for 2024. And we're asking that for the 2024 elections that they look and they select equally, but not only select equally then, but equally provide the supports to women in terms of running for campaigns and not land women on the ticket a week or two out from an election or even four weeks. Now's the time for for the selections and supports to start be putting in place. The tone of debate and the adversarial culture that politicians of all hues meet often puts good people, good women off going for political office. And this has to change. You know, that everyday take down a politician because it's the right thing to moan about today, it's not okay. You know, it's not okay. I think we have, we can do much better. And that adversarial culture that we have here in Ireland doesn't need to be that way. On the upside, Katrina says something that's often overlooked is the communal belonging aspect of joining a political party that shares your values. But I think there's something about, you know, we think of joining up a sports club, we think of joining up... um, other civic society organizations, unions or whatever. But have we, did we grow up in a culture where it was considered, oh, I'm with which party am I joining in terms of my active citizenship and my being able to engage in the cut and trust of, of daily life, of politics and change in my community. Stay tuned for her pearls of wisdom, her best money advice, what she's doing for the environment and what her go-to music choice is here on the Women in Leadership podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Women in Leadership podcast, Katrina Gleeson, CEO of Women for Election, an Irish organisation tasked with getting more women into leadership positions in Irish politics at every level. It's a job that's very necessary in this country, isn't it, Katrina? Absolutely, Angela. Um, 100 years of the state and we have elected 131 women in, in that time. We have 37 women in the doll today we had six in 1921 so we've made glacial uh, progress really and so the critical need for women to sit equally at the table with men um never so obvious as it was in the last two years of the pandemic but um for many active feminists certainly for many decades it's been a a, a bone of contention and uh, an area that we haven't made enough progress in how underrepresented are women in Irish public office, not just in the Dáil, but in, you know, in councils and in all aspects of public life? 
Well, I mean, if we take the average figures for the whole country in the Dáil, um, uh, so in our national parliament, we have 23% of, of the seats are occupied by women, which means that 77% uh, are occupied by men. And that's the highest level that women have, have had space in the Dáil in, in 100 years. So it's increased gradually 2020 2020 was a 1% increase on 2016. We had quite a jump from 2012 when we had the um, quotas in between. So we, we we did see a jump from, I think, 15% up to 23%. Don't quote me exactly on the figures. I don't always retain yeah. them exactly. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's the kind of the shape. So I suppose really until the early 90s when Labour, um, the Labour women, as it was described in the 1990s, when we had that 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 surgence of new women coming into the Dáil and, and from other parties as well, obviously. But up until that period, I mean, we, we had an empty chamber when it came to women and a, a chamber that was fully occupied with men. And then if you take that figure then into the local area, which is where local government has been really important in our lives, not people may, may not realise it and may not see it. And certainly women may not realise it, may not see it because they don't see themselves um, as, as much as we should do. So in it, it's kind of skewed. The average is 25 percent um, of local councillors are women. So a very low figure. We're sitting possibly the in the bottom 10 in Europe. Um, Globally, we're sitting 100th in the world in terms of our performance. Um, that's this month's rankings. Um, Shocking, isn't it? Yeah, it's desperate. But in terms of local government, it's actually even worse because those statistics are, are skewed by the performance of Dublin, Kildare, Wicklow and some outliers like Galway. Um, whereas around the country, um, we actually have county councils where there's like one woman elected, two women elected. And there, you know, there's only... Um, there's only a small handful of councils actually have more than than 40 percent women with 23 local electoral areas in the country where there is no women. Elected. It's really shocking. Yeah. And yet, and you have, know, being on a local council is kind of a prerequisite to getting into the doll, isn't it? You need some local experience and just learning how things work at local level if you want to get into senior. Statistically. In the yeah. way politics has happened, operated, and and you know, if you just look at the basics of you know people vote in terms of who they know, um, you know anybody making a decision will want to know the person they're 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 voting for their track record. So we have some exceptions to that in in the in more recent dolls, but in in the main, the majority of women, it's a very high statistic. I think it's over eighty percent of women who are elected to doll Aaron at the moment have served at least one term at, at local government. So local government is critical, but also not just because of national parliament but because for local government we're making decisions around our infrastructure we're making decisions around housing we're making decisions that are critical to our everyday well women's lives as well in particular women's lives and uh, and also you know it's not just about having women at the table to you know have a maybe perhaps a greater understanding of women's experiences but the diversity of women's perspective at the table does make a difference and and we're missing that potential and we're missing the potential, not just in terms of women, but the diversity of people in Ireland. You know, we have a very low representation in terms of ethnicity, in terms of uh, of diversity in our society. And and that's that's something we have to really address. And yet there's no shortage of women involved in, in local issues and, you know, advocating for various charities or local issues. They just don't become councillors. So what's going against them you know what's stopping them what what facilities you know is it's not just themselves that are stopping them it's the system I suppose is it have you done any research on this what do you yeah think? there's lots of research and there's lots of thinking I suppose um 
the first word is used patriarchy and the tradition that I've just talked to you about. So we've had a nearly 100 years of a, what you would call a male quota system um, where entry into politics traditionally from you know, this era 100 years ago when, when um, women were effectively nearly banished from, from um, the decision-making institutions, the, the, the politics, the law, um, businesses, women were, were pushed as in the constitution into a role in the home effectively. You know, that's, that's how, we were, how we were categorized um, in, in the free state constitution. So, um, so that's kind of one of the roots. Um, and so when you don't have that tradition, you don't think necessarily about politics. So I, I keep asking people, do you ever think about joining a political party? Did you ever think about joining a political party? Did you ever think about running for government? And these are people who, women who would be actively running communities. So I mean, I say it all the time and my colleagues say it, women are running Ireland, but we're not at the decision-making tables where the power ultimately lies in terms of the policy that 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 is trying to fit in or undo the running of Ireland. So um, huge activism um, at every level across business, across health, across social care, across community development. You know, I'm sure if we did a mapping of, of who's running the, the efforts in terms of, of uh, facilitating accommodation and supplies and care in terms of the current in welcoming of Ukrainian um, people, you know, I'm sure we're going to see a disproportionate representation of women there, but we are kept out of the table. So to ask, answer your question in more detail, then there's a lot of barriers. So disproportionately um, in Ireland, the statistics are still showing us that the expectation and the um, res predominant responsibility for care work uh, is still lying with women. Um, and that and and that area of care isn't valued equally in society as other areas of work. So you can, you know, without saying very much, you can see the problem there. And then when you yeah. go into the local chambers, e either local government chambers or you look into the, the doll, the Iraq houses, the Iraq does, they were never designed for women to be there. So even down to where the toilets are, I remember hearing some of the yes, where the toilets are. And, you know, every, so there's add ons, but also. It, it, you know, we're having to like ask for people to think about more than the traditional way of doing things. So for men who are parenting and who have care roles, they too are trying to fit into a system that doesn't value care. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the barriers. Um, a lot of people talk about confidence and, and I think it's very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting concept because um, again, disproportionately, there isn't the same confidence in women to put themselves forward. And we hear every con consistently from women and particularly women who've been elected, that they had to be asked multiple times to run um, for an election, um, whereas a guy, a man, would put themselves forward without even being asked. And so mm. they're in, in there is a very interesting socialization of, of men and women. Um, but we're also asking women to have the confidence to fit into a system that hasn't been designed for them or that isn't intuitive necessarily. So, so you know, is it a confidence or is it that we're trying to fit into something that isn't naturally there? Where, where being designed, you know? So, mm -hmm. so I think, that it, you know, but we do work in Women for Election to unpack that. And key to having confidence is actually having the know-how and the information around how systems work. And so we do, we do an awful lot of work on that. You did a, a, a campaign there maybe a year or more ago about tapping somebody on the shoulder, which I thought was a great idea. Just going back to what you were saying there about, you know, being asked multiple times is that, you know, people just need to be asked or hinted like, you know have a think about this and does it take a while for them to come around then well we see um 
like Women for Election are 10 years this year. So we've had a number of campaigns over the years and the asking somebody to get somebody to go forward has been kind of core to our, 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 our way of getting women involved. So we relaunched that campaign this, this spring um, as the Count Her In, Count Me In campaign. And it essentially is the same principle. So women are consistently saying to us that they needed to be asked multiple times, at least five times in, in some cases, um, before they would put themselves forward. So that's the concept we're wor working on that, while at the same time hoping that women will count themselves in, that they'll they'll feel that purpose, that sense of um, knowing in themselves that actually they they really want to cut their teeth in politics and, and run and represent their community. So so um, that's that's one of the campaigns that we have. But it's an important part of getting women to come forward. Women are coming forward, though. That's mm. that's important. We need to know that as well. And we've seen a lot more female candidates in the in the last number of years. The issue, uh, which is one of the other barriers, has been they haven't been supported and selected equally. And that's where we have to see a lot more work and, and change happen with the political parties, particularly. So it's one I think it's it's quite interesting if you look at it, if you consider it in the concept of equality, that candidates aren't selected equally, that there is a disproportionate. There has been a disproportionate selection of men over women. Um, and th so that therefore makes it gendered. And so we're asking the parties now to move beyond even the quota levels, which which are shouldn't be the, the target, they should be the minimum. And we're asking that for the 2024 elections that they look and they select equally, but not only select equally then, but equally provide the supports to women in terms of running for campaigns and not land women on the ticket a week or two out from an election or even four weeks. Now's the time for, for the selections and the supports to start to start be putting in place. So they shouldn't be there as kind of an afterthought by the parties that they shouldn't be put in kind of in a place they're never going to win anyway. Yeah, not to meet the quota, basically. And I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, and you know, I, I have to say I'm I'm only about a year and a half in not even a year and a half in this job. And my eyes have opened up being a nonpartisan organization. We get to work across all the political parties and, and get to meet with them and, and very collaboratively work with them and see that there is genuine effort being made across the political parties to actually change this. So I think we're witnessing the politics is changing and the face of politics is changing before us. I'm just hopeful um, that this is the case, um, but also, you know, we have a lot of work to do to drive this home for the 2024 elections, the local elections in 2024. Well, when you look at the opposition benches now, we've got three parties led by women. Yeah, yeah. Right. So with technically <laughs> four party leaders are female. So actually, mm -hmm. but if you're a stats nerd, there actually is now more women leaders than than male leaders, female leaders than male leaders of political parties. Once you get into some parties of co-leadership going on. And that's fantastic. Of course, we haven't had our first female Taoiseach yet. Uh, we've only had a fourth Honest uh, as women in 100 years. So um I'm not a betting woman, but I would hope that, uh, well, I am a betting woman, but I <laughs> wouldn't bet on this. But we, but, uh, we would hope that we'll see this happen. Certainly, um, I, I won't tell you, I won't say when I'd like to see it happen, because that was like yesterday or 100 years ago. It would have been great if we started off with a woman. But um, the certainly I would think the chances now are now increasing. And I think you see it also in other parties where there are male leaders, that there's potential female leaders coming through the ranks as well. So we could end up with a, an all-female party leadership for maybe in a few years' time. That would be quite something. It's a, a tough business, though, and I know from one of your previous events where you had Hazel Chu on talking about social media and how difficult it is, particularly difficult for women. I know social media can be difficult for, for all candidates, but gender-based violence, threats of violence, 
awful hideous names being called and particularly with hazel chu the ethnicity aspect you know it's really horrific you know you wonder can anything be done about that i mean should you need a license to go on twitter <laughs> well there's an idea um <laughs> how do you how do you assess that one it's very worrying and it's it's it just shouldn't be happening and um there is multiple solutions if if people put their heads together so for starters i think and you referred to hazel there and hazel spoken quite quite publicly about this um but to actually be putting yourself out and for your ethnicity uh, your your the your identity um based on on your family where you've come from where your family's come from you know growing up in ireland having a, um a, a descendancy that's from outside of ireland and being told to go back home when you're running your election campaign um numerous times consistently um it, it's 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 just vile and it's disgusting and there's no place for it in our society. I think um, Hazel is one example of so much abuse that has been subjected to to particularly um, female politicians and and candidates. Men aren't men aren't exempt from it. And, and certainly we've seen um, very, very awful um uh, behavior towards men in terms of particularly the social media male politicians um social media spaces and so the, the solutions but the the what's happening to women and we're seeing every week there's there's stories coming through in terms of women are, are start, female politicians certainly starting to talk about it more which is a good thing even when i came into this job a year and a half ago there was a kind of worrying silence it wasn't as as vocal as I, what i could hear off offline as opposed to what's online so it, it being spoken about is a good thing it's terrible that people have to speak about it, but now as a society, we have to, and as institutions, we have to really take action. And so there are things that all of us can do. And I think that's the, that's the call it out space. So, you know, when we're in, when we're, you know, the simple things like not re resharing abusive material, um, because that continue, unless it's coming from the person, the victim of, of the abuse themselves, because that is just re re um, re reemphasizing what's happened to them. Uh, so be led very much by that. But I think calling out the actual behavior, the platforms have a critical role and and there, you know, there has to be a way that they can do better here. I mean, I know that they have improved in terms of reporting and takedowns but it's nowhere near where it needs to be. So, so that's quite critical. And then the justice system response. Um, we see recently that Deputy um, Carl McNeil had a very successful um, outcome when she reported and it was taken seriously and went through the courts. So there are, is legislation there. Not all of it is fully understood within the justice system. And so the, the police response needs to be stronger. Politicians should be able to go um, in equal confidence to the to the police, to the guards and into the court process. But there are barriers there in terms of going forward. The barriers always for women, particularly when they're reporting at the, even the more serious end of physical assault or threats or, or sexual harassment or and and up to including sexual assault and, and worse. So so all of these services need to equally be accessible for um, female politicians or women in public life. And they're not always perceived necessarily by women in public life as services for them. So I think we, we, we have opportunities to strengthen there. And, and then overall, that kind of culture, that bystander acceptance or, or you know, that everyday take down a politician because it's the right thing to moan about today. It's not OK. You know, it's not OK. I think we have we can do much better. And that adversarial culture that we have here in Ireland doesn't need to be that way. Well, I think you're so right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are so fed up of it, you know, and we actually need good politicians. So, you know, if you're always moaning, groaning about them, you can understand why somebody doesn't want to go into a thankless job, you know. 
Well, thanks, this job. And also there's no, you know, the intrusion into private into private life is unless unless a politician is offering their family or their private life to into the public domain by choice. Um, and even when they do, it should be respected mm. and not taken as political material. And and that's what I think, you know, that's that's something that we really have to get on top of in Ireland because we need to make politics attractive for everyone. But we particularly need to make it attractive for, for women. And I would say we need to do a lot of work to make it accessible and attractive, particularly for women from ethnic minorities and and amongst those most definitely for traveler women who are have been ostracized the most in Irish society, who've been discriminated at levels that are uncomprehensible um, until you start to die, dive down and listen to it. And so, you know, traveler women in Ireland are working hard, running communities every day of the week, but we do not give them the equal platform to as a society. And we have a lot to do to actually make it politics a space where where uh, traveler women in particular feel actually safe to come forward and run it's not that they're not able to it's not that they haven't the skills or the confidence it's it's that like why would you if you're going to be subjected to um so much racism blatant everyday racism um perpetrated in the main um by their neighbors and 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 colleagues you know so i think and and politicians so i think we've got to really get get on top of that in ireland so Tammy, you have a series of meetings or meet the parties coming up. So for any women who are thinking about getting involved, but they're not quite sure, you know, where their loyalties lie, where their values lie. So tell us about the, the series that you have coming up at the moment. Yeah, we're actually, we start, started, uh, I think it was, was it two weeks ago we started, we had Fine Gael. Um, so it's a lunchtime series uh, that we're running at the moment. We may run it at different times um, in the autumn again. But um, it was inspired internally. We, we've done something similar in years previously where we kind of had all the parties in the one room and, and our women who were running, training, who were participating in our training programs, who were interested in joining a party or getting involved or running for election, um, had the opportunity to kind of at stalls to meet political parties or hear them. So what we thought was, you know, rather than being in a room in Dublin um, to give space to each of the parties to uh, and for women to be able to access anywhere around the country. So it's a lunchtime series. It's a kind of a, a meet and greet, but with you getting into the behind the scenes, how do you get involved in the party? You want if you're thinking about running, how to approach a, a party, who to approach, where to approach. You know, it's not it's not necessarily the best thing to approach the local sitting councillor because you're effectively approaching your competitor. Um, so, you know, uh, parties operate differently. So sometimes you're better off coming in at a national level. Other times you're going to a regional level. So each of the parties have their own unique way of organising. And so this Meet the Party is an opportunity to see how you can get involved. Also hear about the um, being a member, what it's like. I'm quite, I, I mean, I love listening to them because you're really, we're getting to hear behind the scenes um, and I'm now since kind of asking people, have you ever considered joining a political party? <laughs> and I wouldn't be wouldn't have been one for, person for that before. But I think there's something about, you know, we think of joining up a sports club, we think of joining up um, other civic society organizations, unions or whatever. But have we did we grow up in a culture where it was considered, oh, I'm with which party am I joining in terms of my active citizenship and my being able to engage in the cut and trust of of daily life of politics and change in my community so in each of the in each of the episodes or each of the um the events we have um a staffer from the parties but also we have at least one leading elected uh, politician who talks about their experience so so yeah no it's great next the next ones i'm i'm not sure if we'll have gone live by then but our the next ones are this thursday wednesday and thursday at lunchtime we've labor on wednesday at one o'clock um and we have fianna fall on 
Thursday and then we we're waiting then to hear to book in Sinn Féin and the Green Party and Social Democrats so that's yeah that's the the lineup on it. Lots to look forward to there that's great um so I suppose what does Ireland as a, a corporation need to do to get more women to 50 50 I mean that's your ambition isn't it? It's my ambition it's our ambition it's our board's ambition it's been the ambition of the organization for a number of years and many advocates so as I talked about we need to make sure we have enough women on the ticket. So for the 2024 elections um, and the next general elections, we want to see a 50-50 representation on the ticket. Let the That sounds like a big ask, even though we're like big ask, more than possible. 50% of the population. Like it should be reasonable. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit, it'll be a jump, but we're looking to double the number of women on the ticket for 2024. So we want to see a thousand women selected for the local elections. And we want to see 250 women selected for the, the general elections. Now, if you think the last, it is a bit of a, a leap. The last general elections was the first time there was a woman on every ballot in every constituency, for, on the ballot. So, I mean, we have 23 um, local electoral areas where there's no women on uh, elected, but we've had many where there was no women on the ticket. But we're looking for the national average to be a 50-50 um, representation and if that becomes on every ballot paper that would be fantastic so that's one of the things that's a supply issue um although we have women coming forward all the time so it's that matching with parties and parties making sure that they're selecting and supporting women where they can actually have a good chance of of having some level of success and hopefully ultimately being elected um and then we we really need more systemic change so we're working with um, the Oireachtas members, um, we've worked on the, the Oireachtas forum recently, we're working with NGOs to look at solutions, systemic s- solutions to change. So there's a family friendly forum report for the Oireachtas, how to make the Oireachtas more family friendly. Um, and there's a series of recommendations there that are very practical and very achievable. And really, we should now be able to bring politics into every every hub uh, even if it's a hub in Letterkenny, but that politics can be brought into rural Ireland. So men or women don't have to be up in Dublin for the sake of it, that there's actually an opportunity to represent your community nationally, but remaining within your region reasonably. Um, the you know practical things in terms of length of meeting times, how notice around meetings, um, the efficiency of meetings, the chairing of meetings, particularly within local government. Um, it doesn't have to be the way it always has been if it's not efficient um and then acts you know in terms of elections you know you can claim expenses for many things but you can't claim expenses for childcare or caring so that's crazy yeah so just some very <laughs> practical things that could be put in place and then we're looking to introduce quotas for local elections so we sustain the number of women in local government and into the national supply then so um we would ideally like to see a 50 percent quota but, um, you know, at the very least, there's a 30 percent in the next elections uh, leading up to 40 and hopefully the 40 will tip us into 50 eventually. Um, so there are some of the practical things um, looking within the quotas then at actually building in an ethnic quota into the into the gender quotas, because um, if we don't start to be very prescriptive in terms of the inclusion of of women from ethnic minority backgrounds, then we're going to be landing with a very white, very settled, probably very middle-class electorate, uh, which is not reflective of society. So our key principle is always democracy needs to reflect the society it's it's representing. So um, so that's, there's some of the solutions. Um, as I talked about the making politics safer. Um, and so, you know, political parties needing to 
make sure that they're taking care of their members, make sure that they have standards of practice in place and codes of practice that they can hold all members accountable for. We see some of the, uh, the perpetration of abuse can be from within political parties or from party to party. So, I mean, we need to cut that out and not have it as a norm that it has become in the last, particularly in the last few years. So there's some of the examples of what we can do. Um, but I think in terms of women for elections, main work, it's that we make sure that women have the access to the information, the support, the training. And so we're running programs. Um, we're running the Inspire Campaign School where our next campaign school is starting in um, on the 11th of May. What do you do with those? So we have three sessions over three nights. And the first, the first kind of night really gets into, you know, finding that passion and that purpose, that confidence that that will carry you through no matter how tough it gets. So it's digging deep into, into the, your reason for being in politics. And, and that's, and we work with Orla Carmody usually for that. And Orla is excellent in terms of um, really diving into somebody's confidence and bring, bring out their capacity to communicate. Then our second session gets into the telling your story. So one of the challenges of being a, a politician is you have to sell yourself. And actually it is, it is the challenge and being able to communicate your message in a way that people um, connect and and want to be want to be part of what you're doing so that's that's kind of the second session an introduction at that level and then the third session then is really into campaigning looking at how you set about developing your campaign what's you know the nuts and bolts of campaigning and um and a, a walk around in that space and and getting yourself up now we have resource packs and information and and uh, guides and everything that that come with the program um and and we've had a few hundred women get through this program in the last few years so we're you know we see women coming in now you don't have to be running for election to take part in the programs um women are coming in just to find out and uh, and participate but also they might want to get involved in a party or get involved as a campaign manager and, and our training is, is 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 um designed around that as well and then later in the year this year we're going to be doing a deeper then dive in terms of equip which is getting people really ready for election so that building the campaign team you know, building the cash reserve, ways to go about that successfully, strengthening communications, um, and then working on the confidence all the time. So, so that's our equip. And then we run a, a series of master classes and taster sessions that, you know, everything from media skills to, you know, how the local government works to, you know, technical, um, but also um, inspiring uh, pieces as well. So informing, equipping, inspiring uh, all, of, all of the women who come forward to us. Okay, so before we wrap up, I'm just going to say you're a very inspiring woman yourself. How did you get involved with women for election or how did you get involved in kind of the whole gender thing in the beginning? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I landed, I was asked in 1998 by my friend's mom in Fermanagh. I was not in the best space in, in, my, in my life. And she asked me to come up and visit her in Fermanagh, I thought, and it was to help her out with the women co Women's Coalition campaign canvas in, there was a candidate running in Fermanagh that she was managing. So that's where I got my first taste of the feminist community activist space. And my work ended up bringing me into addressing male violence against women. Um, landed, even landed in, in the UN in 2013 in the General Assembly um, as a, a part of the advisory team to the Irish government. And for many years, I've been working, was worked for nearly 20 years in address, in trying to change Ireland in terms of our response to male violence against women. And so I was very involved in the leading the collaboration to get criminalized uh, coercive control. And it was in that process that I got to really see and witness the power of 
female politicians, particularly the women of the Shannon at the time, where they worked so cleverly with us to break down what was an absolute brick wall. This cannot be done. This is not possible. And it was an amazing experience. Senator Colette Kelleher was there, former Senator Colette Kelleher was there navigating women across parties. The collaboration was amazing. And we did it. We managed to, to knock the heads together. And, you know, I see last week there's 21 prosecutions lined up with the DPP in terms of course control. So that sold me. And then the job was advertised and it was the right time because I could see that the, the absence of women from politics, we're not going to really change all of the inequalities in terms of gender inequality and particularly the worst form, which is is uh, male violence against women, in my mind, unless we have uh, a strong uh, nonpartisan cross party uh, representation and independent representation representation in, in at all levels of government and decision making. So that's I saw the job and I went time is right. This is a great opportunity to be part of this. And I think as well for me. The women in public life, the visibility of women in public life is really important in terms of uh, uh, disrupting that uh, traditional norm that still held that women's places in the home. And I think we haven't really fully got away from that bind yet. So, yes, yeah, so this is this is uh, why I'm delighted to be here and working with a great team and a great board. There's a great leadership on our board and and um, and, you know, we're a small team low resources but we've got big ambitions and working really cleverly to to collaborate wherever we can to get the message out there and hopefully inspire women of all ages and backgrounds to put their hands up and say can I at least find out what you're doing just try they don't have to be perfect and <laughs> just have a go yeah we're the probably the most imperfect organization you can link in with we've, we've no room for perfection it, it it's it stifles progress you mm. know so uh I think it does hold women back a lot so tell me what are your own five pearls of wisdom like that you've gathered from working with women for election and from your career to date as well and in life what would your five pearls of wisdom be well, if I could apply them to myself, I'd be very happy, but I'll throw them out anyway, because I haven't really nailed it myself. Um, I would say um, be yourself and be your authentic self. Um, and within that, then the when it's not feeling OK, it's usually because you're not alone. There's probably at least one other person. So if you can find the person to have the confidence to say what's holding you back, you might quickly discover that you're not alone and that it's usually the system. <laughs> It's usually patriarchy in some form of manifestation. Um, I love having a bit of fun. So, um, I, you know, fine, no matter how, whatever has been thrown at you. And I mean, we're living in very challenging times, um, but take a deep breath when you can. And um, there's light, no matter how dark it is, there is light. So I think that's that's quite critical. Um, I managed to discover the value of the ocean and the cold sea and uh, you a sea swimmer yeah although <laughs> the old covid covid uh, dilemma recently has thrown me out a little bit but i do highly recommend it or anything that anything that can shift your energy mm. in a very positive way connection with nature and then i suppose um yeah find the joy wherever you can i suppose they're my my um and i think just in terms of one of the messages i've got most since i've come into women for election is a value you know, valuing women, valuing themselves, valuing their leadership, valuing what you have, what we have to offer and and valuing that. Yeah. <laughs> we really need to value ourselves, you know, so. Um, and not slag off other women. I, most women are pretty good at that anyway. But yeah, yeah you know, yeah. but I mean, yeah. value ourselves first. I think then, yeah. then that's then 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 that's um, everything else will fall through. 
So tell me about money. Did you ever get a good bit of monetary advice or, you know, what's, what is your financial thinking? A lot of people are very, a lot of women are very slow even to talk about it. It's almost embarrassing to talk about it. But I believe it's something we should be a little bit more comfortable with because yeah. that's where the patriarchy strength is, you know, control <laughs> over money. It is. I mean, I'm, I certainly wouldn't have many pearls of wisdom to offer, but some that were offered to me, I think, um, I think it's back to the value piece. And I've heard that from a lot of men and I hear it from very successful women is, um, you know, our time is money or it can be, it doesn't have to always be, but to value what we give and, and not to undersell ourselves. I think that's, that's really important. Um, I, apparently savings meant to be really important and pensions and all of that. So <laughs> I so important. I hear it, the 50, 30, 20, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to apply, but as I said, you know, um but also I, I suppose I don't sweat it really I've just always trusted um uh even when there was nothing in the bank account I've always and I know I sit in a kind of a white privilege space sometimes but I you know I, I do think that living a life that's very collaborative and that's very as authentic as you can be um and and being able to reach out and ask for help um but I'm not your successful entrepreneur and uh, if you'd if you'd cite my bank accounts you'd know that um <laughs> I'm not but you're right there is a mindset you know it's yeah yeah it's it is is. I mean I think there's a lot of fear attached to money and I suppose Mm -hmm. in terms of my previous work with with, uh, Safe Ireland I would say independence is really critical from a very early age for girls um, independent access to funds and um, an independent bank account in any relationship is is, is quite critical um, and women having access to their own resources. You know, there's still many women in Ireland that may not even have their own bank account or their own bank card um, because their money has been controlled. So I think we, we, we really need to value uh, uh, the importance of that. Um, it might seem uh, quite removed for some of us, but it, it is really important. Well, I don't know if you remember, but Gay Byrne on the radio, the late Gay Byrne used to also have this thing about have your running away money ready. He used to say that to women all the time from all the letters he used to get in from women in horrendous circumstances. Just have your running away money, your own little bit of money. So if in an emergency, you have the escape plan ready, you know. Um, Tell me the environment. I'd say you care about the environment. If you're a sea swimmer and all that, tell me, is there anything? What do you do for the environment or what does it matter to you? It does matter to me. And I would have been really good when I was in college and really good after college. And I even was vegetarian for a while and, you know, recycled everything and then got got swept up a little bit in the business of life and didn't pay the same attention. So um, a garden grow as much veg as 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 the weather will allow or my my back will allow given any particular year. Um, but I'm reducing, I think, is is um, the biggest thing I'm focused on at the moment. So even the electricity bill came in today and I'm like, OK, we're down again. How, how do we cut down? And not I mean, obviously, we're trying to save money as well, but it's all about consumption. I have a 13 year old that that guides me. And I think that's where a lot of the the um, so our lawn now is isn't cut as neatly as it used to get cut. Not that it was very neat, but we have, we're, you know, trying always mindful of nature. Um, I was reared very well in terms of respect for nature. My mother was a biology teacher, so we, um, I can't understand how anybody would throw litter on the ground. Um, but looking to just reduce as much as possible, but I am far from being your perfect environmentalist. So a lot to, a lot to progress around, you know, but uh, certainly being very mindful of, of what I use and um, and what's what's the balance of pragmatism, um, but also uh, where can I make savings for the environment? 
They're like an old political slogan, a lot done, more to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it applies to us all. <laughs> <laughs> it applies to us all. Tell me about music. What's your go to song? What do you sing to yourself when you need a lift or if you're going out for a walk or anything? Yeah, I'm real. Oh, you can man. choose more than one. <laughs> oh, Manny's, you know, I'm just going to go to what like what today is. My daughter woke up this morning and says, can you play time after time? And Cindy Lauper is going around in my head. Um, my beautiful sister died suddenly a few months ago. And uh, so my music at the moment is very connected to her um, and to my mom who's passed as well. So yesterday I had I had John Legend All of Me was my main song uh, yesterday that was Charlotte's favorite song ever but I had Caledonia running as well because that was my mother's favorite song so on any given day I'm a would have been a great uh, fan of you two you two's one song can touch strings for years but literally I, I I this year of the tickets that I've been gifted include Ed Sheeran and Olivia Rodriguez and uh, that's kind of the spectrum <laughs> of of where I can end up you know so yeah music though I I what I love most about music is sound and um, I chant a lot um, and I use it as a great space for for healing and wellness so anywhere where music can just lift the vibration bring it on it literally does heal so I'm really sorry to hear about your sister I didn't know yeah thank you she was was beautiful yeah my mom's gone a few years but yeah it's um it's a, it's a tough road grief and loads of people listening will know that it's also you know you get the gift that grief brings you as well which is a, an openness to another way of being but um you know having connection with people and having access to things like music and great work environments and and friends and everything and community and family um are just just uh, gifts and gold so and you have a great purpose there you have a great purpose in your in your work to do so listen i'm going to leave you there thank you so much for doing the interview with us i really appreciate your time and best of luck with your work it's uh, it's great keep it up and thank you so much and look forward to hearing your next podcast as well beyond this and keep up the great work have a listen back to Catherine day because she talks an awful lot about a lot of the things we're touching there she, she hadn't been uh, a fan of quotas, uh, but came around to it during the Citizens Assembly and mm. talks an awful lot about the whole care and how the citizens themselves were demanding that the government do do so much more and faster about care. And the distribution yeah. Of care. yeah, yeah, we have to care about care. That's my that's my line into the submission of the Oireachtas. We have to care about care. Mm. If nothing um, else, COVID has taught us that, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's lovely to meet you as well. Thanks for organising this. If you're thinking about going for office or helping run somebody else's campaign, have a think about signing up to any of their courses or attending their events via their social media or their website, Women for Election. You can find the Women in Leadership podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and on TuneIn and other major podcasting platforms. You can contact us here on the Women in Leadership podcast anytime on the website womeninleadership.ie. You can also follow us on Twitter at Leading Women Pod, and we're also on LinkedIn. Also, check out the website womeninleadership.ie, where you can find the substantial back catalogue of interviews and where you can read show notes about the guests. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti, and the Women in Leadership podcast team here, goodbye and take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.